So this morning, Acts chapter 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 12 today. Last week, if you weren't with us, we really got to see a contrast between Barnabas. You guys remember what Barnabas' name was? Son of encouragement, right? So we saw a, a contrast given between him and Ananias and Sapphira. So we learned that uh, we make decisions, and then our decisions turn around and they make us. Okay? So make wise decisions. Seek the Lord. <laughs> so the early church really needed a profound revelation of the nature of sin and the holiness of God. So when it comes to navigation, okay, some of us um, are map people. Some of us like landmark, uh, landmark people. And some of us are just hopeless when it comes to navigation. Uh, map people like a visual representation, okay? Street names, arrows, that's how I'm going to roll. I can do that. Then there's the landmark people that want to, hey, go down to McDonald's, take a left. I'm the house that's purple with the green shutters on the right-hand side, you know, those type of people. Um, but now there's Google Maps, and I love Google Maps. Anybody else out there love Google Maps? Awesome. They actually have both. They have these maps and satellite. They call it hybrid. So you get to see it all, and you have all the directions given. I actually just pulled up, you know, where's, where's my wife? Where's the crew at right now coming back from the conference in Kentucky? Well, they're about to hit Milwaukee. And it's just like, oh, I see where they're going to go and how they're going to Anyways, uh, I, I, I love having that. But what do we have as believers? I believe the greatest gift and the, the, the privilege just to have his written word, his revelation to us. God, don't ever take that for granted, guys. Don't ever take his word for granted. We have his written word, and it gives us clear directions, doesn't it? God is not a God of confusion. That's why we put an emphasis upon the word. That's why here at Freedom we take it serious. We're going to go through the whole counsel of God verse by verse because it's all needed. God has spoken into us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's here for us. But he also gives us landmarks in life too, doesn't he? Okay, there's signs that indicate which path we're on. So we're going to take a look here this morning, picking up in verse 12 of chapter 5 in Acts. Um, this is kind of crazy uh, what happens. There's these sanctified shadows. <laughs> Let's take a look here. It says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought back the sick out into the streets and they laid them on beds and on couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, to, also a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. Pretty awesome. I know I keep saying this as we're going through the book of Acts, but I wish I could have been there to see this. <laughs> It's so cool what God was up to. Um, if you jump back to chapter 4, there was a prayer in verse 29 that we really see this prayer being fulfilled. It says, And now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak the word of God. They're still there, Solomon's porch, preaching the word of God. These miracles and wonders are taking place. You know, Look at verse 20 in chapter 4. 
for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They got to just keep sharing Jesus with people, and it's spreading throughout Jerusalem. I love seeing this take place. So dealing with sin, that's what we dealt with last week. Man, there was sin in the camp. It had to be dealt with, right? But when dealing with sin in the church, it often results in new power for the church. It really does. My personal conviction is that there needs to be a real purifying in the church. Okay? And I believe it really starts here because it's easy to point fingers. Man, if that church would just do that or those brothers and sisters, man, if they would just stop being carnal, you know? If, 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 if. No. You know, what is God speaking to you personally? What does he want to purify in you? What does he want to purify in us as a local church here in Kukana, Wisconsin? What is he asking of us? Now, off of verse 13, I got this question. Can you imagine a church so spiritual that people were afraid to join them? Because isn't that what was happening here? Oh, look at all the stuff that's going on. Okay, so the rest, it tells us that the rest is probably referred to as certain outsiders who were so impressed at the doings in the new infant church as the fear to actually join such a body. I think there's a cost in following Christ, isn't there? Okay, We've really dumbed down the gospel. Hey, just come to Jesus. He loves you. You'll have eternal life. Everything's going to be great if you follow him. But I also read a big part of the gospel is, hey, you need to count a cost. Okay, God is calling you to forsake all others. He's calling you to come out of the world, to be set apart, to repent, to be his, to live for him. Not just a savior, but Lord and savior. He's the one who's going to be counting the shots. We don't hear that often preached when the gospel's preached, but that's the gospel, isn't it? He's God. He's in charge. We need to repent and get that right in our lives. It's not just adding God to our lives so it's all better. No, God becomes our life, period. So verse 15, look at here. It says, so they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Okay, so shadows. Eastern thought um, put a lot into shadows. Uh, they believed that uh, they, you know, if a man was evil, that his shadow had an evil influence. Okay, so they would steer clear of those shadows. Yet, if they had the influence for good, they would try to come and actually be in that man's shadow. But I say, wow, you know, they thought even a shadow had power. Like, <laughs> you understand what was going on in Jerusalem? Radical things that even in the shadow of one of the apostles, we could be healed. I mean, that's the type of faith that was going on. I have a hard enough time even being sanctified on the inside, yet alone something on the outside being sanctified, right? You know, but here, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 together. Um, we know the scripture here that talks about these treasures that are in these earthen vessels. Okay, and it doesn't make sense, does it? I, I don't get it. Why would God choose us, the church, you know, to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? Why would he come and make his home with us, to live with us, his spirit to be within us? Do you guys know us? Okay, if 
you don't know us, if you think, hey, that's, that's a good place for God to hang out, I'm pretty cool. Of course he would want to come and make his home with me. Come hang out with me because I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm messed up. I think we're all messed up, aren't we? And for him, let's see what the scriptures say into this. Look at verse 6 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That's the point. You see, well, let me share another uh, version of this passage. It's from the message. I don't encourage you guys to study the message, but it's nice to read once in a while because it, it, it puts things in a way that, hey, and, and this is one of those passages that I was like, hey, this is cool. It puts it this way. If you only look at us, you might as well miss the brightness. We carry the precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent any from confusing God's incomparable power with us. You guys get the point. It's God. It's not us. When people look at us, it shouldn't be like, of course. They're great. They're awesome. Of course that would be happening in their lives. No. You see, the valuable and expansive treasure is contained in weak, fragile, valueless vessels. That's the point. You see, I guess he wants people to see our cracks, our flaws, instead of some nice, shiny new container. You see, Paul reminds us that we have within us, in all believers, a great treasure. If you are born again, brother or sister, you've put your faith entirely in Christ Jesus, okay? You have this great treasure, and it's contained in common jars of clay. It's a reminder of our own unworthiness compared with the grandeur of him who is in us. So God first came... Covered in a cloud, right? Okay. Then covered in flesh, the incarnation. Now he's covered in what? In us. It's weird to think about, but that's the way he's chosen to work. So Christ in you, right? The hope of glory. It's him in us, brothers and sisters. So God intended this sharp contrast so that no one would question the source of healing or the source of the gospel and it's all surpassing power you see the bearer of the message or the healer of the one healed is mere mortal person right chapter 3 verse 12 so healings are a work of god you understand that they are a work of god not of men salvation is a work of god not of men Thus, there was no real virtue in Peter's shadow. Divine power alone, through faith, brought healing. You guys understand that? Because, man, I've gotten some goofy things through the years. You, know, you guys ever get a prayer rug in the mail? It's just a piece of paper. You guys ever get that? I've gotten that from somebody. Hey, here's your prayer rug, which is just a piece of paper. If you kneel down on this specific you know, piece of paper <laughs> that's supposed to be a rug... <laughs> You know, God's going to have this special blessing and do this special thing, you know. 
Now, have there been people who maybe have knelt down on those prayer rugs through the years and prayed a prayer of faith and God moved and did a miraculous thing? Sure. Here's the thing, guys. It wasn't the shadow. It isn't a piece of paper. It isn't this or that. James tells us when they're sick among you, what are you supposed to do? Go to the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil and they'll pray. Okay? That's something that we practice here at Freedom Fellowship. Now, do we believe oil heals people? Absolutely not. But it's a point of contact. Okay? And that's the same thing with these people here. Hey, just the shadow of the Apostle Peter, a point of contact where faith is released. It's not in the shadow. It's not in oil. It's not in a piece of paper rug. <laughs> you guys get the point. It's God. It is he who does it. So um, let's move on here. Okay? Uh, we're going to look here at verse 17 and on, and we see Jesus. Okay? God has exalted here, and he is the point. He is what is you know, flipping Jerusalem upside down at the time, has all these Sadducees undone. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles, and they put them in a common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I have that underlined in my Bible. Isn't that a cool phrase there? Hey, go speak. Okay, Not just a few things. Go speak to them all the words of this life. I love it. Verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison uh, or sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and they reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. And then the captain, he went with the officers and brought them without violence for they feared the people lest uh, they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with this doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. 
Cool, huh? So there's four different reactions from these religious opposition, uh, uh, the religious uh, opposition here. If you look at the first one we see in verse 17, they were filled with indignation. Okay, jealousy, right? Verse 17. Uh, the second one we see in verse 24, they wondered what the outcome was going to be. Hey, God's on the move. Jesus is being preached. These things are happening. What's going to come of all of this? The third one we see in verse 26, they feared the people lest they were stoned. And then the fourth one in verse 33, they were furious and they plotted to kill them. Okay, so the re reaction of the religious people. Uh, look at verse 28. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us all. It's interesting the high priests didn't bring up the apostles' escape at all. <laughs> you think they were probably embarrassed? Oops! <laughs> How do you explain that? I'm a Sadducee. I don't believe in the supernatural. And them getting out of jail that way, that seems a little supernatural. <laughs> what, what do you do with that, you know? Uh, it's probably just out of embarrassment. So, formal charges are brought uh, this time. They were accused of disobeying the Sanhedrin-specific orders. Don't you love this, guys? Don't you love this? You, <laughs> Christian, you've been talking about Jesus in your workplace. We don't do that here. That's not allowed here. Teacher, this is a government school, a public school. We can't talk about God. You can get fired here. Let me tell you what, if the Christians in the United States of America would just preach what they believe, you can't fire everybody. And there's enough believers around here, it couldn't work. You couldn't stop. If we spoke, I believe the same thing would happen as what happened back 2,000 years ago here in Jerusalem. Hey, this doctrine of yours about Jesus, man, it's filled Jerusalem. It's everywhere. Man, it's not everywhere today, guys. It's hard to find today. But if we would be bold and just speak the name of Jesus, man, if we would just do the word of God, revival would happen. People would be talking about Jesus everywhere. They'd be asking questions. So, that's my soapbox for a moment. Verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Isn't that the bottom line? Didn't we just see this a few weeks ago? It's the same thing again. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey men? And here's the thing, guys. Sometimes it's not just other men. It's ourselves, isn't it? God, you're asking this, but I want this for my kingdom. I want to play God. I want to call my own shots right now. No, we got to obey God. So, this is the first, first time only Peter and John uh, were in a place of getting arrested and in trouble. But did you guys see this? Now it's all of them. <laughs> What's going, they're all stepping up and going for it. And I love it because it's in speech, they were bold. In heart, they were courageous. In soul, they were trustful. And in will, they were determined. Okay, They were going for it. So we ought to obey God rather than man. Okay? And it is the only position to be held 
or that we can hold when we have the word of God at our side. Where else can we turn? What else can we do? Just be sure it is conviction and not just an opinion. Amen? You guys understand what I mean by saying that? Because we all have opinions. And you guys know I don't really care about people's opinions, church's opinions. What does God say? That should be our bottom line in everything. What does God say? Period. Look at verse 30. The God of our fathers, he raised up Jesus whom you murdered. I love that they keep calling them out. You guys did this by crucifying him, hanging him on a tree. Him, God has exalted at his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So what God thinks of Christ, do you guys see this? He's exalting Christ. It's beautiful. Him, God has exalted, we're told. And it's, I love that it refers to him as prince here. Okay? It means ruler, but also a leader. And aren't you guys glad that God, Jesus, is a good ruler for us? That he's a good king, a good prince, and he's a good leader. He leads us into good things. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? These apostles here, they're getting thrown in jail. Their lives are being threatened. They're getting beat up. How is that good? Let me tell you what, guys. <laughs> Honestly, I would take a hardcore beating, even being murdered, if it meant people would come to know Jesus Christ. I mean, what's the worst Suffer a little bit for Jesus? Hey, if people are coming to know him, I'm going to be rejoicing. That pain's going to be nothing. If my life being laid down means there's going to be more in heaven someday, praise God. You know, what's the worst man can do to me? Send me home to paradise? To be with Jesus? Like, really? So, I love this. He's, he's our prince. He is, he's good. Um, and there's joy in the Lord. That's something God's been ministering to me personally this last week. You know, I take, I take pastoring serious. I do. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but when you're called to ministry, to leadership, eldership, pastoring, teaching, something that we're called to do is to be undergirders. Do you know what that means? You're to come underneath to serve others. And what does that look like? Well, just in the scriptures this last week, God's been showing me a lot of different scriptures that speaks to making your joy full. It's not to go and put burdens upon you to get my will to be done. No, we have a good God. And God wants us to enjoy him. Do you know that, brothers and sisters? We are here to enjoy Jesus. And that's a part of my job. I get to come alongside under you guys and lift you up, and you can enjoy Jesus. And the best way I know to do that is to do what God's asked me to do, and that's to teach his word. Because it's in this revelation of the scriptures we see this truth. He is good. He's also our Savior, isn't he? Right? He's our Prince and Savior. Saving us from what? Well, our past for one. Deliverance from the penalty and the guilt of sin. It's complete, isn't it? Also the present, so deliverance from power and love of sin and is a process, it's gradual, it's something that's continuous, but he's saving us from ourselves. And also future, 
Think about that. There's deliverance from the presence and the result of sin, and there is a certain hope for us who are believers. That is what our Savior is doing. I love it. He is the risen Lord. He is at work. Man, if you've come to faith in Christ at some point in your life, and there hasn't been a whole lot going on since then, man, Jesus is in the business of saving, making things new all the time. Yeah, there, there is eternal salvation. But man, there should be growth. There should be things changing all the time. Um, my favorite verse this last week is in Hebrews 10, verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Isn't that a great scripture, guys? He's done it by his sacrifice. That is what he is doing. We are being sanctified. So remember, this is what God thinks of Christ. So shouldn't we think the same of him? Yeah, this is what God thinks. We should think the same. He's our prince. He is our savior. So God loves overruling sin. And it's ultimately for his glory, isn't it? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Especially in these earthen vessels. (laughs) Hey, who gets the glory? He gets the glory. It's all him. Look at verse 32. And then they said, we are witnesses, his witnesses, to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So we are his witnesses. So to be witnesses, we must believe it, we must live it, we must say it, correct? And that's exactly what these guys are doing. They believed it. You must have, a, you know, uh, have had an experience of his saving power and a sense of certainty about your salvation. The blood makes me safe, the word makes me sure. Okay, I love it. I've dealt with a lot of people through the year. I don't know if I'm really saved. You know, I keep going back and doing this stuff. You're a carnal Christian. You know, do you believe that Jesus is the only way, the Son of God that really did die and rise from the dead? Do you really believe that if you put your faith in Him, that you're saved, that you're given this gift of eternal life? Do you believe? Yeah, I believe. But I keep doing. Well, salvation isn't what we do. Salvation is what He's done. You know, and the thing that's beautiful about the scriptures, guys, is we can make salvation sure. I love it because you can open up the word with somebody and you can lay out, this is what the scriptures say. If you believe this, you are his. You are saved. That's what the scriptures, and I love that the word of God gives us that surety. God doesn't want us being tossed all around, you know. Well, I feel that I'm saved because I've been doing really good. Salvation isn't based upon feelings. It's based upon fact. The fact of who Jesus is and what he has done, period. And have you received personally? Have you personally believed or not? It's that simple. But I love it. So, we need to believe it. We also need to live it, right? Our words must be backed up by our ways. I love an illustration. There was a morning that, centuries ago, you guys have heard of uh, St. Francis of Assisi? Okay. He took one of his uh, brothers, another monk, um, and said, hey, let's go down to town and preach. Well, the two of them, they walked slowly down the road, eventually reached the town. Francis, however, did not stop anywhere for a preaching appointment, but gradually guided the way back from town towards the monastery again. Uh, presently, his compa- uh, companion asked if he had forgotten the preaching, and Francis replied, he said, my brother... 
It is, not, it is no use walking to preach unless we preach as we walk. What he was saying, guys, is we got to live it. It's not just what we say. We are preaching as we live. Does that make sense? Obviously, we have to speak the gospel. <laughs> but people need to see the gospel also. And people are going to see that through us, isn't he? Okay, God even told us in John 13, hey, the world's going to know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Are you living out the gospel? Are you loving God? Are you loving others? Are we doing it in such a way that the world has to take notice and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you Christians always the ones doing all this stuff? Because we love the Lord. It's what he's called us to do. We love him. Therefore, we love others. You guys have heard me say this before, but when the rapture happens, man, I hope the church has had such an impact that there is a huge hole in our society. Like, ouch! What are we going to do now? There's still the poor out there and all these Christians who've been helping out. They're gone. But the thing is, we see us banking so much on our government, aren't we? Well, let's just let the government figure it out. they got a program for this and that. No, God's called us to be that program <laughs> to do, okay? And it should be when the rapture happens and we're out of here, the world should take notice. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. All those goofy Jesus freaks are gone, but now there's a huge hole. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? And who's going to get the glory? Jesus. So we need to believe it. We need to live it. We also need to say it, right? So don't be limited by living it. Speak up. Okay, when those chances arise, speak the gospel. Speak of Jesus. Maybe there's an overflow of heart which unlooses the tongue in an eager, earnest, you know, discreet speech. You know, pray what the psalmist prayed. I love I, uh, Psalm 51, verse 15. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare forth your praise. I love that. Pray for that. The Message Bible puts it this way, unbutton my lips, dear God, I'll let loose with your praise. You know, there's times for us just to let loose. Talk about the goodness of God. You know, I was kicking myself earlier this week, and it's just something that happens all the time. You have those people that ask you, like, you know, you, you have the people that ask you, how you doing? You know? And you know they really don't care. But then you have the people that ask you, how you doing? What's been going on? Like you can tell that they really care and really want to know. You know, and I missed a great opportunity. Somebody I've been praying before and, you know, shared with in the past and been praying for more opportunities to share with. I was just a little overwhelmed, you know, that day. And I'm just like, you know, it's just the same old. That's what came out of my mouth, you know. And I was busy off doing something else. And I'm walking away from this guy and I'm like, what an opportunity missed. Opportunity missed. I could have just shared. This is what God's doing. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed. But part of the overwhelmness is there's just a lot that Jesus is up to. <laughs> you know, let me share some of the things that he's doing. You know? So take those opportunities um, to share with others. Um, let's look at verse 33 here. We're going to get some lawyer's advice. Verse 33, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up 
a Pharisee named uh, Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And then he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus, he rose up, claiming to be someone. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. And after this man, Judas of Galilee, he rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles, they had beaten them, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Cool, huh? So some people, verse 33, uh, some men even called for their death. Hey, we want the death penalty here. We told them not to preach in the name of Jesus. They're doing it again. Let's kill him. And then we have Gamaliel come on the scene in verse 34 here. And this is a voice of uh, moderation that explains, hey, if it's human work, nothing's going to come of it. If it's of God, hey, we can't stop it then. There's no stopping it. And you guys might be Gamaliel. That's familiar. Where, where is he? What, who is he? Well, he was a teacher of Paul, Saul. Okay, we read about him in uh, Acts 22, verse Three, he was a grandson of the great Rabbi Hillel. Uh, he died about 52 AD. So he offers examples of two unsuccessful uh, spiritual revol revolts um, in their past days. One was Th uh, Thaddeus, which is uh, verses 35 and 36 here. Uh, he pretended to be great. He got 400 people to come and follow him. But when he got killed, all his followers just, well, we give up, we're done. Who cares? Um, and then there's another one that we read about in verse 37. This is Judas of Galilee. You guys remember in Luke 2, uh, a census was made to uh, have everybody return to their homeland so they could number the people and tax them. <laughs> um, this is that Judas. He's the one that put, um, or during that time, came against the authorities and said, hey, we're, we're not going with, we're going to rebel. We're fighting against uh, this and he ended up having tons of followers um, but when he was killed um, again they dispersed they scattered um, so he kind of headed up that zealot party of the day um, he also speaks of compromise okay time will tell time will tell so does it you see many religions have been around for centuries so that doesn't mean they're of god Time will tell, really? You know? Well, eternity is at stake. Can you really wait and see? If Jesus was really telling the truth. 
if these other religions make these type of claims, can you really just wait and see? I hope I'm right. Well, there's an indifference we also see here. Uh, is there really such a thing as neutrality when it comes to Jesus? And we also see cowardice from him. You see, Gamaliel uh, should have felt bound to accept, not merely just ignore. Isn't that his counsel? Well, let's just ignore this. No, we should look into these claims. Is this legit? Is Jesus really the Christ? It's hard. Jewish people, for some reason, they don't look into the claims. You've read the Old Testament. That's your Bible. That's your book. How can you miss Jesus? He's all over the place. Like I know that our eyes have been enlightened when you're born again, you have the Spirit of God. But it's not rocket science. It's so clear it can't be anybody else but Jesus to be the Messiah they're looking for. It is so clear. So it's one of those things you can't just ignore. And Jesus has made some pretty radical claims, hasn't he? He has. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, either Jesus is a liar or he's telling the truth. <laughs> I need to look into this and find out for myself. And you know the thing that's really cool? Most people that actually look into it find out, oh, wow, there's a lot of proof to back up you know, what he was saying. The truthfulness of these claims. Now you've got to do something about it. But the problem is Satan has us in a spot where he's got people so busy so consumed, so buying into so many different lies of this world that they don't even take the time even to remotely look into the claims of Christ. And I talk to people all the time about the gospel. Hey, have you read your Bible? Do you have a Bible? Yeah, but I don't read it. Why not? <laughs> read. See what Jesus said. You know, challenge him. You know, if he claimed that he's the only way to heaven, look into those claims. See if he's right or not. So, need to look into it. Look at verse 41 here. Can't keep ignoring. Um, verse 41 says, So then they departed from the presence of the council. They were rejoicing. Okay, would you guys be rejoicing? Hey, another day <laughs> to live for Christ, to preach the gospel, to be a part of what God's doing. You know, honestly, I was talking with a brother earlier. You know, I'm so ready to get out of here. You know? Life isn't easy. There's problems. It's always something. You know, I've had a sinus infection for a month. Nonstop headache for a month. I go see my doctor again on Monday. I'm hoping something will shake out. But to be honest, when things are just rough in life, the only thing, at least for me, that keeps me going or excited is what God's up to. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss. I want to be a part of what he's doing. And I think for the believer, guys, that's our only hope. It's the only real hope we have. Like, honestly, I don't know how people go on in life without Christ. You know, what's the point? It's empty. I see so many people are just hurting and down, and I don't know how they keep going, you know. <laughs> but it's like, man, if you give your life to Christ, if you start living for Him, there's going to be, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Because we're going to look at why the apostles ran. Because you guys see what's happening here. They were suffering. Okay, it says they counted it worthy to suffer shame for his name. Okay? They counted that a privilege. So the apostles rejoice that God has counted them worthy to suffer for Jesus. And they continue their witness for him. So question, 
Do you know something of the same constraint, okay, to speak to others about Christ? And also, can you be content to live unknown for a little while and walk your weary way through the fields of poverty or up the hills of affliction? Well, we are heirs with him. That's what the scriptures teach us. These men, the apostles, the disciples, the followers of Christ, they were men of courage, weren't they? It's one thing I really appreciate about these. These guys were just set free, and what do we hear them doing? Like right after they're set free, where do they go? We're back to the temple. We're back preaching the word of God. I love that in the book of Acts. Do you guys remember the Apostle Paul? We're going to get into him in a few months from now. But you remember the time that he gets stoned outside the city for preaching Jesus? Literally, he's left for dead. They thought he was dead. There he is. He, you know, and what happens? God brings him back to life. I go right back to the same people who just killed me. <laughs> you know, you go preach some more of that courage, right? Went straight back. So they were men of courage. They also were men of principle. Okay, this is something I really respect when I consider these apostles. They were men of principle. They had this obedience to God. Whatever God is asking, that comes first. Okay? And I'm sure they had a lot of other things going on in life. Some of them had families. Some of them had other responsibilities. But these guys said, hey, what matters right now is what God's asking us to do. Okay? He spoke to us, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's going to give us his spirit. And he's given us his spirit to go be witnesses. That's what we need to do. We need to go preach the gospel. So they never ask, is this course of action safe? They ask, is this what God wants for me? Is this what God wants for me? Okay. We've had people go off to the mission field or on short-term missions. Is it safe? Is it safe? You know, well, my question is, hey, is God calling you to go? <laughs> that's the safest place you can be. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Um, so these were men in principle. They were also men of purpose. You see, they understood their main purpose was to be a witness, okay? A witness with their lives and a witness with their lips. So this is how I live, okay? And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to share the truth. So what an unpopular cause. This is the cause of Christ. It costs you everything. You might find yourself jailed, experience loss of your goods, maybe even to die. And they knew that at any time they could just deny their faith, but instead they refused to. Um, Adonai Rem Judson. Have any of you guys read of him? I encourage you guys to look him up online. Um, uh, there's quite a bit to read on him. He's considered the first Western... Uh, sent missionary <laughs> that we had. Um, he's a renowned missionary uh, to Burma. He endured untold hardships uh, trying to reach the lost for Christ. For seven heartbreaking years, he suffered hunger and privation during this time. He was also thrown into Ava prison. And for 17 months, he was subjected to uh, almost incurable mistreatment. And as a result... For the rest of his life, he carried very ugly marks uh, of chains and iron shackles uh, that he was cruelly bound with. Undaunted upon his release, he asked permission 
to enter another province where he might resume preaching the gospel. And the godless ruler, uh, indignation, <laughs> denied the request. Like, forget you, dude. What are you thinking, you know? He said, my people are not fool, are fools enough to listen to any, uh, anything a missionary might say, but I fear they might be impressed by your scars and turn to your religion. <laughs> so even an unbeliever, someone who is against Jesus, understood, hey, this man, this missionary, you know, I'm not really scared about what he's going to say, but the life he's lived, the scars that he bears, that's going to be a testimony. Another who understood, uh, uh, like the apostles, uh, those who share in cross-bearing will share in crown-wearing. The church, for some reason, especially here in the States, doesn't like this theology. But it's very clear that there is fellowship. There's a theology of suffering that the Bible lays out. There's a lot of bad teaching today that says if you're in Christ, if you're living the victorious Christian life, the abundant life, the way they want to define it, you're not going to go through hardships. You're not going to suffer. Well, if you study the Bible... <laughs> The Bible says that this suffering, we have fellowship with Christ in it. This suffering is going to allow things in our lives to bring forth fruit for the glory of God. Suffering, trials, is going to work in us and change us, our character. We're going to be made more like Jesus through this. So guys, I want to encourage you. Live boldly for Jesus. It's not going to be easy. One of the precious promises we have in the Bible that you will never find in a little precious promise book. <laughs> but those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a promise. The world's not going to like us, guys. But the world needs to hear. And let me tell you what. When we have, you know, <laughs> have lived our lives and all is said and done, and we get to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant, I think we're going to get a glimpse at just how his ways really are way higher than ours and how perfect they were. So I think sometimes we sit here scratching our head. We don't understand. Lord, we keep trying. We keep doing. This is hard. This stuff keeps happening. Why this? Why did that happen to them? A lot of questions. But I think one day it's just going to be all revealed and it's going to be like, wow, there couldn't have been any better way. This was perfect. And God, you got the glory and that's really what it's all about. So, let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the example of uh, our brothers, these apostles, who just stand, uh, stood in your truth. They stood firm, and uh, we just thank you for their example. Father, we thank you that through your scriptures, through the word that you're teaching us, Father, what you'd be asking of us as your followers, as your kids. And uh, we want to live well for you, God. We want to we make you known, Lord, because we know um, the little bit of discomfort, the suffering, the trials in this life, uh, way out way more than uh, 
the reality of those who are lost in need of a Savior. They need to hear, God, and uh, we've counted the cost. God, we know that you are uh, truly the only way, the Savior of this world. And it is good, Father, to, to follow you, to live for you, God, to find fellowship with you. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, just to have a joy. I, I, I could just picture Peter and John and the others um, not getting bummed out <laughs> that they're getting thrown into prison or having to talk to the authorities again. But they were just enjoying the privilege of being able to speak the words of life to others, to speak of you, Jesus. I pray that would be a joy for all of us. and Give us those opportunities. Let us see those opportunities that you give us, Lord, to speak to others. So we just thank you and pray this in your name. Amen? Amen. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Amen?